Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Servants of Grace theology segment. My name is Dave and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, a listener writes in and they have a great question. And the question is this, what does it mean to be filled with this Holy Spirit? Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, what it means by being filled with the Spirit has led some believers to imagine themselves as cars with spiritual gas tanks that constantly need filling up. There's a popular view out there that a Christian needs to be filled from time to time, is that the presence of the Holy Spirit is something that somehow gets depleted uh, as we live the Christian life, or it's something that we suddenly need more of from the Holy Spirit than we currently have. But this is not what Paul is teaching here. In fact, earlier in the same book of Ephesians, Paul is clear that a believer receives the Holy Spirit first when they believe and he remains with them without any depletion for the rest of their lives. When you heard the word of truth, Paul says, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, he says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. And so there's no sense here in which the Holy Spirit comes and goes in the life of a believer. And it ought to be said there's no sense in which we need some kind of second blessing of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in some circles, some people have taught that there are some uh, stages of a spiritual stages of a of a believer's life in Christ. the The first moment, the first stage, I should say, is happens when a person is born again, the moment they first believe. And the second stage is sometimes described as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's usually connected with an appearance of a the gifts of the Spirit. For example, speaking in other tongues, prophecy, healing, singing in the Spirit, and other gifts mentioned in First Corinthians twelve and Romans twelve. But again, that isn't the picture painted by Paul in Ephesians chapter 5. There's, new, there's no two-stage arrival of the Spirit in a believer's life. We receive the Spirit when we first believe, and after that, he never leaves. And so we need to ask the question again, what does Paul mean by being filled with the Spirit if you already have the Spirit? He means to be increasingly conformed to the Spirit, live a life that is more in keeping with the character of God as revealed in the Scripture. You know, you see, the Holy Spirit, He comes to indwell us, He comes to live in us when we first believe. And so most of us, if we can put it this way, we have we are locked rooms, parts of our character that are not immediately changed by his presence. And yet, so when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, he's calling us to unlock the doors, to joyfully submit to the, the revealed will of God in the Word of God, and to be conformed in our character increasingly to the likeness of Christ. And so to be increasingly conformed to the character of Christ who lives in you and I, who are indwelt by the Spirit. And so the call to be filled with the Spirit doesn't imply that somehow you don't have enough of Him. 
you do if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ. But it does imply that there will be parts of your character where you're not yet fully yielded to the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit as revealed in the Word of God. You need to ask yourself this question. Where is that true for you? What doors do you need to unlock in order to be filled with the Spirit? And beginning in Ephesians 4.17, Paul's main concern in outlining the practical results of faith in Jesus is to remind us that life as Christians is unlike life as unredeemed people. Holiness and the pursuit of the will of God must characterize God's people, not falsehood, sexual immorality, theft, malice, covetousness, and foolishness, as Paul teaches in Ephesians 4.17-5.17. through 517. Such ungodliness, if engaged in impenitently, finally leads to destruction. But spirit-animated love, truth, and goodness strengthen us in Christ, restoring us to holiness. And so the, the apostles contrast between life in Christ and life as a citizen of this unbelieving world. It means that his contrast between drunkenness and life in the spirit is not an abrupt change in his thinking. Drunkenness is one of the many destructive impulses of the Gentiles, that is, unbelievers. Thus, it is inconsistent for those who profess Christ to drink excessively. Like the rest of Scripture, Paul does not forbid alcohol consumption altogether. God's Word permits the wise use of alcohol, but it, perfi- it, it forbids the drinking to the point of intoxication. Now, being filled with too much alcohol leads to drunkenness and even destruction. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, results in sobriety and edification. And so when the Apostle exhorts us to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18, he is not teaching that those in Christ get a measure of the Holy Spirit that comes and goes at will. The Holy Spirit seals every believer until the day of redemption, and he does not leave us. And given the book of of Ephesians' stress on the work of the triune God in salvation and on the fullness of Christ in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, Paul's stress on being filled with the Spirit points us to our need to be conformed to God's character as revealed in Scripture and to submit to the work of the Spirit at work in the Word. Now, the Holy Spirit exists in perfect indivisible union with the Father and the Son, and he is the agent by which God's fullness indwells his people. We now experience a taste of this fullness in part, although we do not yet fully enjoy the communion with the Lord that will be ours when we are glorified. And so to be filled with the Spirit is to yield ourselves willingly to his sanctifying work as he prepares us for that final day. In doing so, our union with Christ is strengthened. Our fellowship with the Father is enhanced, and we increasingly bear the image of God himself. And so as we consider this, and as we wrap up, the Ephesians 5.19 tells us that the evidence of a spirit-filled life includes being full of song and delight. And Matthew Henry is right when he says, Though Christianity is an enemy to profane mirth, and yet it encourages joy and gladness, God's people have reason to rejoice and to sing for joy. And although we do not deny the reality of pain, Christians of all people should be uh, full of joy, and this joy should be evident in our corporate singing and in our lives personally. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Servants of Grace Theology segment. Until next week, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you.
Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.